Looking at Luke chapter 11 this morning, verses 33 through 36. Father, we ask you to fill us, to work in us, to illumine us. Help us to see and to know the light. Dispel the darkness. And fill us with the light of Christ. I pray, O Lord, that you would work mightily here now, in and through me, speak your words to your people. For we ask this in Jesus' name, the beloved Lord of the universe. Amen. Luke chapter 11, we're going to be looking at verses 33 here, 33 through 36. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Here Jesus is speaking once again, it seems, in a very cryptic way. He goes from talking about this evil generation just previous to this, always looking for a sign, and he says the only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah. And now he's talking about a lamp, a lampstand, and you being light, and where this light comes from. And on the surface of it, it doesn't make a lot of sense, actually. You read that, and and all you're left with, as I was this beginning of this week, was, huh? That was my response when I first read it. Oh, this ought to be interesting. I have no idea what he's talking about. But, thankfully, as I mind it, realized there is a ton of good stuff right here. Some really good stuff that it really has a, affects our lives in regard to even our personal experience of the light who is Christ. This overarching idea that Jesus is getting at here is about what happens when we have light in us and how we can deceive ourselves by a false sense of light. How the, the light overcomes the darkness and how the darkness even impacts our own lives. The thing about Jesus using light and darkness is quite fascinating. Light and darkness is a, is a wonderful concept because you and I live in it day, day after day after day. Light and darkness is a universal experience that we all have. When the sun comes up, what happens? It gets light. When the sun goes down, what happen, it happens? It gets dark. Light and darkness. One half of the globe is in light. The other half's in darkness And other portions are in transition. And this happens every 24 hours, every day. From the time you're born to the time you die, this is your experience. You experience light and darkness. You live in a world of light and darkness. You know what it's like to be in darkness and not know where you're going? You know what it's like to be in the light and to see where you're going? We all experience light and darkness. It's a universal 
reality. And it's very easy to go from the physical reality of light and darkness and make spiritual connections between light and darkness. We easily make the connection. This is why we, we say things like, I was listening, I couldn't quite understand it, and then all of a sudden, bam, the lights went on. We get that. Oh, what happened? Do I have to explain what happened? Do I have to explain my light and, okay, well, you really, light didn't really go on, but what happened is you were just, your understanding lit up. No, we get that. We understand it. Or someone might be sitting in a class with a math teacher droning on and on about physics, and, and they say, I, I hear the words, but I'm really in the dark as to what he's talking about. We know what he means. He doesn't understand. He can't perceive or get what he's talking about. You also hear people say at times, there was a time in my life when I was in a real bad way, but thankfully I saw the light and things have really changed. I saw the light. Well, what does it mean? Well, we know what he means. He came to his senses. He saw the situation. He saw what he needed to do and he did it. We all understand these expressions without much explanation because we live in a world where light and darkness are ever-present. We know the light reveals and the darkness conceals. And no matter who you are, you can't get away from this reality. If the lights are off and you try to find your way to the bathroom at night, you struggle and sometimes hit walls. And you grope around in darkness because in darkness, you're lost. Literally lost. You feel lost, even though you know the footprint of the house. It's a terrifying experience whenever you have to try to find your way in darkness. You covet the light at that point. It's also why we can easily understand when Jesus gives the analogy of lighting a lamp. On the surface of it, it's as self-explanatory as they come. He says in verse 33, No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Easy enough, right? That analogy isn't confusing. It's totally and completely clear. What's unclear is the connection. Where did this come from? Why did this, you just say this, as it seems like out of nowhere. You just, what you were just finished talking about and where you're at now, I don't see the connection. So that part is, is confusing. We don't understand. But of course, this does create some intrigue. Whenever you jump into a subject and you're not exactly sure why the person's talking about that subject, it does create some intrigue. It does create some question as to, what are you talking about? Where are you going with this? I don't understand. Kind of like if I stepped up in here in the morning, as I do for the sermon, and right from the start I said, Rockets can travel at a speed of 36,000 miles per hour. And paused. You're like, okay, great. So, um, where are you going with this? That's almost the feeling you get when you read this. It's like, true enough. Sure, I get it. But what's the point? A similar effect is happens whenever we are given bits of information that we don't know the reasons why they're given, and they create an itch. And when you have an itch, what do you, what do you long to do when you get an itch? Scratch it, right? 
Have you ever had someone come home or say to you, you will not believe who I saw today? And if they pause long enough, you're like, who? I want to know. <laughs> if they just said, ah, never mind, and they walked, a- walked away, you're like, no, no, you're killing me. No, that's not going to work. Who did you see today? And that would just bother us until we found out. We're wired to want to know what's the connection. Like, I don't understand. If, if you open the loop and you don't close it, we're going to chase it down until we find out. This is why so many of us, if we ever see the, the crisis point in a novel or in a movie, if you're like me anyway, I, I, even if it's stupid, I've got to, for some reason, watch it. Because I need, for me, it has to be resolved. Not Byron, on the other hand. He, he goes straight to bed. <laughs> But I'm stuck to the end, and, and it's just, you can't stand that. It's kind of what Jesus is doing here. He's creating some intrigue in the sense like, okay, true enough, Jesus, but where are you driving this? Where are you headed? What's going on? So with this apparent disconnected analogy, which on the surface is self-evident, Jesus creates some intrigue. Like, what are you talking about? Because obviously no one lights a lamp and covers it up. Hello? Anyone doing that would be somewhat unstable. It, you know, that would be like turning on the light in the bedroom and then finding a black towel and, and then going and covering that light so nobody could see it. <laughs> what are you doing that for? I don't want the light on. Well, you flick the switch on. So, yeah, nobody does that. And if you do that, something's not working right. Nobody lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Okay, self-evident, clear. Gotcha, Jesus. What are you talking about? He says this in verse 34. He starts now to make the connection because that is a self-evident truth. He says in verse 34, your eye, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy or good, another way of saying it, when your eye is good, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. So according to Jesus, the eyes are the lamp for the light. Now notice the the eyes are not the light. The The eye is the lamp of the body. And the lamp is the thing that produces or holds the light which illumines. What Jesus is saying here has to do with the reality of what happens when someone's eyes work. Versus someone's eyes who do, who's, who doesn't, which doesn't work. When your eyes are good and they work, light comes through your eyes and you can see things by them. Right, Covey? That's right. <laughs> the eye doctor has confirmed. When your eye is good, when your eye works, it allows light in and you can perceive by that light objects. When the eye is bad, the eye doesn't work and it doesn't allow light in, you cannot see objects or perceive them. A good eye allows the light to come in and allows you to perceive. A bad eye does not let the light come in and you can't perceive. So when someone's blind, no light goes in and they cannot buy it, they remain in darkness and they cannot see anything. So, the lamp is the eye, but it isn't the light. It's the thing by which the light is made manifest. In other words, when it comes to your eyes, you can see by someone's eyes if they have light in their soul or not, is basically what Jesus is saying. The eyes will tell you a lot. 
as he says in another place, or you've heard it said as well, the eye is the window to the soul. And through the eye, by the eye, you can see if there's light. And this is why Jesus says, if there's light in the eye, the whole body is full of light. The soul of that person is full of light, if you can see it through their eyes. You can tell a lot by eyes, can't you? You can see in people's eyes if there's light. You can see if there's darkness. If you can, sometimes you can see if there's dishonesty. Some, cheer, gladness, sadness, gloom. Various things we can tell. And some people, you can't always figure it out. They're really good at you know, deceiving you, even through the eye. But often, more often than not, the eye tells the story. And so when the eye is good, when you see things in the eye, the soul is good. This is what Jesus is getting at. Now the question is, what is this light that Jesus is referring to? According to 1 John 1.5, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Whereas 1 Timothy 6.16 puts it, God dwells in unapproachable light. Daniel 2.22 says, light dwells in him, in God. Psalm 36.9 declares, in your light we see light. John starts out his gospel in John 1, which was read for us this morning. In him was light, and the life was the light of men. He is the light. John says he was not the light, but he came to bear witness of the light. You'll, you'll never find in, in scriptures anywhere that men or people or anybody is light. God is light, and in him is light. Jesus is the light. He is it. So when he says that he, you see light in somebody, that's an interesting statement. What Jesus says here is very interesting. You perceive that there's light in them. Well, who's the light? He's the light. God is light. Jesus himself is this light. John MacArthur, commenting on this, said this, Jesus is that true light. He is the blazing, shining forth of God's glory. Jesus came and made everything clear, everything about sin, everything about righteousness, everything about judgment, everything about the kingdom, everything about salvation, everything about true holiness, true religion. Christ was the blazing light of God's glory. And it's because of this light that we see spiritual realities. MacArthur went on to say, when God turns his light on, we see. We wouldn't understand anything if God didn't turn his light on. We wouldn't understand God. We wouldn't understand anything about him. We wouldn't understand his nature, his character, his purposes. We wouldn't understand the plan of salvation unless God turned the light on. And he did this in Jesus. So the light in those who have the light is Jesus. That's what he's referring to. And by that light, we see things as they really are. We can see the truth of God's salvation. We can see the truth of his word. We can see by him. And we can't see apart from him. And there's a warning here. So here's this light. People, their eye is this lamp. And you could tell whether the eye is good or bad because through the eye you'll see it's a window to the soul whether they're full of light or not. And then, he, and then after that, he, so he's saying, this is what the connection he's making, is that your eye tells the story of what's going on inside of here. 
he then gives a warning. Because we can think that we have the light, but don't. Jesus said in verse 35, Therefore be careful lest the light in you be darkness. That's an interesting phrase. When he says, he's saying here is that we deceive, we, the deceived, sorry, think they have light. When in fact, there's darkness. It's kind of a confusing statement, actually, if you think about it. And on the surface of, of it, how can light be darkness? It seems like a contradiction in terms. What Jesus is getting at here, though, is that the scribes and Pharisees, you've got to think, realize the people he's referring to, the scribes and Pharisees, the people he's talking to, they're convinced that they had light. Yet, they were filled with darkness. They thought this because they were supposed to be the wise ones, instructing the people of God. After all, they, they were the descendants of the patriarchs, of the priests, of the prophets. They were the ones who studied the very words of God. They were the ones in the community. If anybody had light, if anybody knew the light, if anybody understood the light, who was it? The scribes and Pharisees. They're the one teaching everybody. They're the one explaining what God's word is all about. And this is why Jesus said, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. It was a perceived light in a soul that was filled with darkness. Now when Jesus uses this analogy of light and darkness, he isn't using it simply to talk about knowledge or insight. Even though there is a component to that, there is a component to that, definite. He's using it to talk about what seeing does to the soul. And here's what I mean. The knowledge and the insight the scribes and Pharisees were lacking was this. They didn't understand or perceive who Jesus was. They didn't know that he was the son of God. Yet, that isn't the only insight. Just knowing, just like, okay, if I know and can perceive that he is indeed the son of God, then I have the light. Well, you have some light, but you don't have the complete light. Because remember, the demons know who Jesus is and believe. They don't understand that. But they don't have the light he's referring to here. They remain in darkness. So they have the light of perception, the light of seeing, the light of knowing who he is, but the darkness filling their souls. Well, they are a soul. They're a spirit. They're filled with darkness. So a person can know and believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but their soul still be filled with darkness. This is what happens when Christians are so confident about the light they have, the knowledge they have, they have the biblical understanding they have, and yet their souls are filled with darkness. How many Bible teachers, scholars, and pastors think they are full of light, yet full of darkness in their souls, just like the Pharisees? If you test them on their knowledge of Jesus... They get an A. If you test them on the condition of their souls, they get an F. This is why Jesus said, Be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. Now, don't get me wrong. Total light and total darkness aren't the only options. Jesus goes on to say something else in verse 36 that helps us understand where he's driving this. If then your whole body is full of light, 
having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Jesus is trying to make clear that the ones full of light are beacons of light. Jesus is talking about what will happen when your whole body is full of light, having no darkness in you at all. Meaning that a person can be so filled with light that they will exude it through their eyes and begin to shine like Moses in their glory. There's light that penetrates. There's light that fills. You can be so full of it that it exudes out of you. This also implies that a person can have light, a degree of light, but not be full with that light. The whole body is not beaming with it. And you know what? This actually relates to our own experience. This is really where this gets very practical in terms of our, our lives, our souls, and what's really going on inside of us. Because when a person is delivered out of deep darkness and comes into the marvelous light of Jesus, they usually experience their whole bodies, their whole soul being filled with light. If you've ever been entrapped and ensnared in sin before, especially dark sins where you experienced and you knew the darkness, and you cried out in that place and you cried out to Jesus for forgiveness, and you received from Jesus forgiveness and cleansing, and, in that, and from that, you experience a filling up of light. It, it literally feels like I was in total darkness and I've been brought into total light. My soul has been filled with light. You know, we have anybody here who's ever been in darkness and felt and known and experienced that and been delivered and cleansed and brought into the light of Jesus, will say, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know what it's like to be in darkness, and I know what it's like to be in the light. I know what it's like to be, know the, the, and experience the, the fullness, the cleansing, the forgiveness, and the joy of the Lord in my soul. This is, a, this is common to all who've been there and known it. Yet there's another experience that's common to us Christians. And that is one of not being full of light, but rather watching that light in our lives diminish. When I was a kid, I remember having these flashlights. That the battery, you could always tell when the battery was getting low. It just started to dim. The light wasn't very effective. It actually started to change color. It got more like orange or yellowy. And it got dimmer and dimmer. And you knew the battery's low, and it's getting really low. And you're like, oh, no, it's just about ready to die. And it's barely giving off any light whatsoever. And, and the only hope, you know, it's going to be dead here soon. You either recharge those batteries or get new ones or whatever. There's just going to be no light. And I think so often that's like a lot of Christian experience. Over time, the light begins to diminish. The light begins to fade. The light is no longer bright like it used to be. The body is no longer full of light, as Jesus said here, but instead, the light is, f- is fading and dimming. And here's, the, here's what happens. In our souls, if you or I sin, light diminishes. If you, and, and here, the the larger and more significant the sin, the more darkness seems to penetrate us. You could be walking in the light, 
You could be filled with the light. And if you've ever sinned grievously, I'll guarantee you, well, let's have a discussion about it and say, is it not true that it felt like darkness invaded your soul? And you'll say, oh, yeah, I was living in darkness. It felt like the lights were turned out. But, you know, perhaps, and, and that experience is, is true, it's real, it's visceral, it's deep within the soul. And Christians experience this at times when they fall into deep sin. But there's probably a worse scenario. And it's that slow diminishing of light in the soul, not through big, grievous sins, but a bunch of little ones stacked up over time. Sins that aren't really being dealt with for whatever reason. Because they're so small, because they seem so trivial, the light begins to diminish. It comes from sins of neglect. Sins in our thoughts. Sins in our relationship that don't get dealt with or repaired. Sins in our entertainment where we begin to slide. And what's worse about this, it's kind of like the, the frog and the kettle analogy. He doesn't notice or realize that he's going to be boiled soon because they just keep gradually turning up the heat. It's, just, it, it's the worst kind because it, it's, it's before you almost realize it and know it, your life's a total and complete mess. And if you look in your soul, you think, all I see and experience is like, it seems like the light is about ready to be extinguished. I'm not doing well at all. Things are not good. And then, it's, and then you remember and think about the good old days. And then what you do is you try to think about, man, it sure would be nice to be there. And then what we do is we begin to self-medicate through all kinds of various means. Have you not been doing well your own self? And have you not been tempted to want to feel better? Every one of us, when you don't feel well, you want to feel better. Do you realize what's happening in your soul? God has made it so that when you're not doing well, it's like, hello, flags raising. Something's wrong, and you should take care of it. I don't know, but I feel like a drink. If I just had some more food... Or if I watch that show, and you'll watch what happens, you will start to go and look throughout life ways in which your soul can be medicated. We hate any sense of darkness. We hate any sense of pain. We hate any sense of emptiness. And we will look somehow, some way, to get some sense of joy and fulfillment. And it doesn't matter. We all have our little ways of... of, doing a roundabout around Jesus. There's only one true light. There's only one light. There's only one source of light that can give light to your souls, and it's the Lord Jesus. Yet what we do, and even as Scott pointed out this morning once again, is that we so often fill it and go after other things except Him. Because we're constantly fooled, and then we try it, we taste it, we do it, and you know what? It never fully satisfies, does it? What does it leave? Where does it leave your soul? It leaves your soul so often empty, and it's actually you're worse after you've done it than before you were than before you started. That's what happens. That's what happens when we do not go to Jesus and deal with our issues, but we go to other forms and, and places and things and people and w- ways to try to to medicate. Every one of us has th- have issues like this or places that we go what's your thing because when you find or you know your thing that you like to whether drink or smoke or 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 relationships or movies or whatever it is or music music soothes just 
think of Saul. Saul wasn't doing so well. An evil spirit actually came upon him. And do you know what soothed him? Do you know where he turned? Not to Jesus, but to music. We all have the place we like to turn to. And do you know what that place is? It's an idol. It's a god. We're going to that thing, and we're looking to that thing to give us what we think that thing can give us, whether it's a person, it's a relationship, it's a drink, it's food, it's entertainment, it's music, it's whatever. We turn to that, and we think that in that thing, somehow we will find what we're looking for in here. We don't tell anybody this because we'd be ashamed of it, but it's a reality. The real problem, the real issue is that we do not deal with what's really going on and we don't even understand sometimes what's going on. Our souls are shouting out. If we look in the eyes, there used to be the light of Christ shining through them. We look now and they're dim and they're, the, the light is absent almost. And it all, becomes, all starts to happen because of little sins that never get resolved, never get dealt with. And then if, if we go long enough in this pattern, we're so darn confused, we have no idea. We don't even know what's going on. Sin is the cause of our diminished light. But what's the remedy? Simply, confession and repentance toward Jesus. Toward the light. This is why James says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Whereas 1 John 1.9 says, If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The increase of light does not come from trying to be bright-eyed and happy. The increase of light does not come from trying harder at being upbeat and joyful. The increase of light does not come from trying to have a positive attitude. I really just need to change my attitude and everything's going to be good. It comes from dealing with the darkness by exposing it to the light through confession. And then by having Jesus fill you with his light. It's the only way. This is why it is for those who confess their sins and repent and turn to Jesus. Yet... Here is what I'm willing to bet. Most will think they've done that. And yet nothing's changed. Because I went to God and I asked Him to forgive me for my sins. And yet the darkness remains. The emptiness remains. There's still an issue in my soul. But I'll let me tell you this. Generic Asking of forgiveness and blanket covering everything is not the same as, Father, please forgive me. I hated Jim in my heart, and I know it was evil. See how specific that is? That's a lot different than saying, Oh, Father, I know I have lots of sins. Just please forgive me. And um, what's for dinner? Well, and I say to you, you need to confess your sins and you need to repent. Well, I've done that. Nothing's changed. I'm going to go towards food. I tried that whole business. It doesn't work. No, I'm sorry. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. That's not the same as saying, Father, please forgive me. 
I selfishly sat on the couch last night while my wife, completely exhausted as she was, took care of the children. You notice the difference? When you sin, you sin specifically. Therefore, you should confess and repent specifically. Specifically. If in your soul you are not full of light, and if your light has diminished to the point where you're longing and craving for other things to come in, and Jesus has not filled you, it's Him telling you there's issues. There's stuff you need to deal with. Gnawing, aching issues in the soul are a blessing because they're for us to address the issues. But if I could recommend one thing for you, it would be this. If your soul is not filled with light and you want it to be, then find someone you trust and know who can truly help you Walk through some of this stuff. Because if it's been a while, you might have a little bit of a laundry list of things you need to deal with. And you might be very confused. Often, we don't know our own way out. And this is by design as well. God has not made it so that you and Google can do just fine. God has made it so that you and the people of God actually can do just fine. But you have to, you know, it's not, the Christian life is not you in the ring against the devil, your flesh, and the world. It's you in an army fighting a massive battle against the devil, your flesh, and the world. And you got a, you've got a soldier to the right and you've got a soldier to the left. And there's no way you're going to have victory at all unless you realize that there's, this is a major, major battle that includes everyone. You have medics, you have infantry. You have air support and navy. You have sergeants and you have generals and every single other aspect of war, and you need them all. God made the church like this. This is why he gave different members of the church. So let me say to you, this is what you need to do. God is shouting out to you even now. If there's issues in your soul, you need to deal with them. And if you know what they are, then what you need to do is confess them and turn to Jesus to fill you with his light. If you don't know what you are, they are and you're confused, then you need to ask somebody that you know can help you and trust and you trust that you can go to and they can help you walk through this. You can come to me. I would gladly talk to you about this. You can go to Mike. You can go to someone else. But go to somebody that you know and trust and you know that can help you. Don't go to a friend who has no idea what they're talking about and say, yeah, wow, um, let's go get a drink. Because that friend is probably has no idea what to, how to deal with it and they're just going to go to, the, to the, do the thing that they do to self-medicate. All of us here this morning will have issues in our souls. And if you've been a Christian long enough, it doesn't take long to have experiences, and you know in your experiences, like these high moments where the fullness of Christ in my life was real. And low moments where it's like, uh, there was a lot of darkness. There were a lot of issues. It's not like some static unchanging relationship. You have Jesus, oh, you're full of light. No, as Jesus said in the text, 
there's, there's only if here. If, if your whole body is full of light, if it's full of light, having no part dark, no part, so you can have parts that are dark, but he's saying have no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. That is good news that Jesus is proclaiming here. He's showing you the way of light and life and fullness. If there's darkness, take care of it. So that you might be filled with his light. Amen. Father, I pray for every single person here and I ask you to mercifully deal with all of us. Help us to see and to understand and to know the issues of our own souls, that we would see if there be any darkness at all in us. Oh, Lord, please reveal that to us. And if there's things and issues that we have, may we seek counsel, may we seek wisdom, may we seek understanding, and may we be a people who confess our sins and repent of our sins and stop acting so self-righteously. I ask, O oh Lord, that you would help us and you would break our hearts, that we would truly see ourselves for who we are. We would look into our souls. We would look through the light of our, our eyes and see if there's light in us. Is there light in our souls? And that we would understand that that true light only comes from you as we deal with the darkness and expose it to, the, to your light. Have mercy on us, for we ask this in Jesus, who is our Lord. Amen.